0: Hey everyone, thank you for joining me for another episode of Beer with Marketeers, we used to be called Beer with Darren, but we've changed it for the SEO, you understand, that's our audience, so it's all good. Today I am joined by the absolute legend, that is Jack Copeland from Staffing Future, not Futures. Jack, how are you, mate?
1: Yeah, good mate. Thank you for for not adding in the S. I appreciate that.
0: (laughs) I I know how annoying it can be. We were obviously called content app before pager. We were called continent, all sorts of things. I think it's important to get the company name right. (laughs)
1: Yeah, exactly. Well, better continent than incontinent, right? But yeah, the uh, the, the random I random I don't appreciate. People add it on all the time. <laughs>
0: no, there you go. So, Staffing Future. Most important question before we get into it, because um, I'm really looking forward to this episode, because we've obviously known each other for, for years, and we've had many, yeah. many, many conversations over a beer, which we probably won't go to that extent. But um, first question, what are you drinking? I, I'm on Brewdog Punk IPA, personally.
1: Right. So I'm on coffee because it's 8.23. I considered doing um, a Heineken double zero, but I'm not sure I can even face non-alcoholic beer at this time of the morning.
0: No, and uh, we probably should say, whereabouts are you based?
1: I'm based in California. So, uh, so yeah, it's not beer time, but I'll crack, uh, halfway through, I'll crack, I'll crack that open, I reckon. <laughs> yeah,
0: definitely. But, but the accent obviously isn't, isn't Californian. It's, uh, it's, it's British. So that's how we know each other. We're, uh, we're both ex brawling, right?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So Broadbean, God, that was 15, 16 years ago um, that I started at Broadbean. And then you joined probably fairly soon after, right? Two, two years after that, maybe. And then yeah. I moved over to California almost 10 years ago. It'd be 10 years in November, which is terrifying. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so let's just stay with that, on that vibe, actually. What is your career path? Because I remember when I first met you, you were a bit of a, for want of a better term, Jack the lad, literally.
1: <laughs> yeah yeah so I, I it was a weird one for me so i um my parents ran a staffing company in the oil and gas industry um in like the 80s and 90s and um they knew uh they knew colin robinson uh, my mum worked with colin robinson who's kelly robinson the original founder of broadbean and i was very involved with pager as well um the uh, uh knew each other and and i met him when i was about 11 or 12 and i ended up at 16 leaving school and decided not to go to college because I didn't want to go to university and I was basically looking um which you know for anyone any Americans listening 16 is the normal age to leave school I'm not quite a high school dropout um but yeah I just decided I decided that you know the two the two years doing you know the four subjects at at a level is really a a path to university and I didn't want to do college plus university so I wanted to go into sales so I thought I'd get a jump on it early and then um Ended up unconnected to my parents, unconnected to Kelly, uh, finding a, a job in the paper for uh, a staffing company, and ended up going to the interview, got offered the job, and ended up working there. And then Kelly felt that I was working in the industry, and and uh, and headhunted me, paid a fee, <laughs> widely or unwisely, for me to go and join him when I was like seventeen to go and work for Mex. Um, and then after that, not to go long and boring, but yeah, MEX was sort of connected to Broadbean. And then I decided I wanted to go and work at Broadbean. Ended up at Broadbean when I was sort of 18 and stayed there just shy of a decade. Um, went out to Holland, opened up our Dutch office, the Irish office, and then eventually um, got relocated to sort of be VP of sales for North America. So that was pretty much it, really.
0: Which is an incredible journey, right? You found a job in a newspaper, which led to being VP of Sales. <laughs> we all being in California. Let's just. Let's just play that back. I mean, what a lucky sod
1: you are. Yeah, well, it was a weird one, actually. I was even luckier than that, because I couldn't find the place. I showed up 25 minutes early for the interview, and I could not find the place. And I bumped into someone in the car park. And by the time, like, I'd done circles further and further out from where I thought this place was. But by that point, I'm about five minutes walk away, and I bump into some guy, and I'm like, do you know where Magenta is? And he's like, yeah. And in the five-minute walk to show me where the office was. He's like, oh, I work there. And I was like, okay, cool. And I sat down the interview and, and uh, uh, she said, oh, well, I'm the managing director. And, and he was just chatting to the owner in the car park. And he said to offer you a job,
0: basically. <laughs> so oh, that was the
1: interview.
0: those are the sorts of things you read on LinkedIn that never happen. That's yeah. That's yeah. Exactly <laughs> nice. Yeah. But
1: this one did, I promise. <laughs> <laughs> not, not so glamorous. I ended up doing admin because I was 16. I ended up doing administration primarily. And, um, they used to send a lot of, it's so funny, like how, how behind they like a lot of the companies, like my parents' company and these guys' company, were from a technology point of view. And then I went into staffing technology, but they used to send, um, they used to do you know, like called a whack or a shot or something, I don't know. Um, but it was basically they would print out a loader of uh, CVs slash resumes via mail and put them in an envelope, and they would send out over a thousand a day. And that was my first job was literally in the mail room probably like 2002 2003 like not 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 1980 right like in the early 2000s stuffing yeah. envelopes <laughs> uh,
0: and that's what is now known as email marketing <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah exactly yeah same thing right pretty much
0: oh <laughs> uh, it's mental absolutely mental and i mean over though over those slow like, 16 years you've been in recruitment now because you know you are we inside the recruitment space whether that was in staffing or or the tech side what's been that shift you mentioned Literally shoving candidate CVs into envelopes. What's that shift been like? Because obviously now you're involved in the marketing space. It must be quite a journey over the last sixteen years.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think you know, with broadbean you forget in many ways how how much that was ahead of its time. Like in the early days of the internet and stuff, right? I mean, the idea that you had a multiple job poster in, I don't know what year it was. It was launched, but I mean, it, once again, it was early two thousand. So you know, there was a tool that was aggregating and distributing jobs and running reporting when there was people still queuing up at fax machines and, and, and using Rolodex to contact people. So, you know, that was, that was interesting. And then, you know, I think really when I joined was, was after dial-up internet, but not, not far after dial-up internet. I mean, like a year or two. Like I just learned dial-up internet at home, I'm pretty sure, when I was like teen and here I am working at like 16. So, um, you know, it's been this massive migration towards online and digital. And I think that, that probably sort of, you know, peaked. Um, I don't know, probably five, five six years ago, um, maybe a little bit longer than that in terms of like everything just becoming truly, truly web-based. And and then now it's sort of the next switch seems to be towards automation, right? So, I mean, it was originally it was job boards and aggregators, then social, but all of that's sort of truly digital. It's just a movement. Now it seems to be going more in the direction of, of one, you know, technology and automation, but then also the marketing aspect seems to be more personal People starting to build their individual company brands and not rely on these, you know, giant job boards like the career boarders and monsters of their time. Just uh, pay money, get candidates. Pay money, get candidates. Like that never sort of ending cycle where it's not about you know the staffing company or the individual. It's just about you know any job. Do you want this job right now? Kind of thing. So that's really short term thinking,
0: right? Before it was so short term. We've got this job. We need to fill this job. Right. Whereas right now it's you know, can we build up uh, relationships with people? Can we nurture them? it's fantastic to see from a marketing point of view obviously we're, we're heavily involved in the marketing as, as you and i remember if you go back i want to say five years maybe even less i don't remember there being marketing teams with inside recruitment agencies there was um there was the marketing girl which we hate here at pager or the coloring department yeah. typical thing but there wasn't there wasn't somebody <laughs> that was in charge of marketing that was in charge of automation or you know, email marketing all these sorts of things seems to we seem to have really embraced them over the last 5 to 5 to 5 to 7 years i think
1: yeah and and funny enough i would say you know uk is ahead on that. There's a, it's a weird thing when I move to America, there's so many things where, you know, America's sort of world leader in and stuff like that. But then there's other elements where, because of the size and scope of the country, I think some things, the competition levels haven't been as high and as intense as like that, um, you know, recruitment hub of London. So, you know, some of the, some of the digital quality of design and, and the embracement of marketing and marketing technology seems to be, you know, a year or two ahead um, in many respects. Because I remember when I first came out here, you know, looking at some people's websites, and I'm going, "What's what's going on?" And then just little things like, uh, you know, people were saying, "Oh, you, you know, here's your checkbook." When I opened up a bank account, I was like, "I was born in 1987. I've never owned a checkbook. Like, why are you giving me one in 2011?" Right? But people used to, yeah. and then I go, go online to the bank and be like, "Oh, this is how I want to pay my landlords," and they would take it from the online portal and mail him a check. And so just little things like that that have taken a little while to catch up with, with some of the.
0: One thing I will say, though, about the financial industry in America, it's the only place you've got drive-in cash points, right? If I want to get cash out, mm-hmm. it's raining, you just drive up in your car. That blew my mind. So mate, what I took from that was, if it's, if it's something to make people slightly more efficient, I was going to use the word lazy there, slightly more efficient yeah. in their day-to-day, <laughs> they, will, they, will, uh, they will embrace it a lot quicker than they will with the other things.
1: So, so drive, drive through cash points or ATMs give me a heartburn because I'm just sat there like someone could just, I'm stuck in the car, unable to open the door. Somebody just run by and grab my cash at any point and I, I can't even chase after them. But the one that I do really like is drive through, um, pharmacies. Like that makes perfect sense. Like you're sick. Why would you get out the car in the cold, wander around? making everyone else sick or would you just drive up and collect your prescription but in 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 several of the states not in california but there's there's drive-through liquor liquor offices as well like you drive through gear which seems, seems counter counterproductive you know it, what I mean, it does, but.
0: really does it really does but the, the pharmacy is an interesting subject so it's a nice uh, segue into the next topic right the wonderful thing that we're living with right now is covid19 how's yeah has covid19 affected um, staff in future
1: So, I mean, I wouldn't say that we are um, better off because of it, but I think we're not worse off. It's a bit of a weird one. Like um, in January, we were sort of looking at our numbers and we were like, "Oh, I really think we're going to grow a lot this year and and hopefully this number by December. And then March, April, it was head on the hands, you know, oh, God, we're we going to lose the entire business. And then by December, we ended up being slightly ahead of where we thought we would have been at the beginning of the year. So we, we grew a lot last year. We grew 300%, which is awesome. You know, we'd love to try and do that again this year, but it's, it's a big jump, you know, from sort of growing 300% when you're just under a million to trying to grow 300% again when you're, when you're over it. But um, I think we, we, you know, what we've seen is probably uh, more startups um, so at the top and the bottom is where the, the, the market's been a bit busiest, right? The, the sort of 10 to 100 users, which is really our bread and butter business, um, is is probably been a little more cautious. But we've seen a lot of startups coming into it and not so much I want a lifestyle business, people coming into it and going, I've, I've, you know I've saved money, I've been in the game 15 years. I'm choosing this time when it's slower to start my business and I want to build something that will become a large company. So I want the right foundation in place. I don't want a business card website. I want technology and integration automation and problem marketing message. And then the other area where we've just seen some explosive growth for us is is with, with the big guys. So, you know, before we sort of maybe had a couple of businesses that had sort of five hundred users or something under our belt and now we've got, you know, a multitude of 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 clients where they're one thousand users, three thousand users, six thousand users, um, you know, some of the largest sort of out there top three in, in healthcare and some other um areas within the state. So I think those guys have been looking at and well if we redo our site every every three years or something, um, or in five years we want to get a jump on everything and, and now's the time to embrace technology and, and we've got the budget. So that's that's really the impact that that we've seen. The other thing is um, light industrial has been sort of dragged kicking and screaming into an area that I don't think a lot of a lot of people wanted to go. Um, you know, there was companies that were embracing the idea of web onboarding and web-based applications and portals and and you know mobile and all of that. But the, a lot of those guys, because they're so back office heavy and they weren't focused on candidate sourcing so much, they were really um, sat on like homegrown ATSs, uh, self-hosted ATSs, and they were running hundreds of millions of dollars of payroll. And migrating app contractors, systems was just a giant headache for them that they kept on putting off. And because of the fact that they didn't have anything with an open API, they weren't really embracing web and they were saying, look, if you want to come work here, show up in our office, fill out this paperwork, we'll have someone at the front desk, type it up. And that, that was still happening and still is. And, and on the sales side, door knocking really really common out here like literally people showing up knocking on doors of warehouses construction sites and going hey you know who do you need today yeah really common like number one source of sales people would literally just get in the car and go and show up at places and and do like a drop of like here's some 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 information so those guys have been disrupted um massively by all of this because if you think about having a self-hosted ats not easy to access from home most are on exchange servers not like office 365 and gmail Um, most of their onboarding was done by physical paperwork and most of their sales was done by showing up at people's offices. And of course all of that has gone away. So those guys have, 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 have have leapt forward when they were a little bit behind. A lot of them have sort of leapt forward, um, in terms of what they've needed to do. Whereas the professional side has always been, you know, web-based for whatever reason. Um, so yeah, that's kind of the shift that we've seen really.
0: So a lot of modernization there, forced, um, it's a it's a shame, yeah. it's a shame that it's been forced in this way but I think a lot of businesses will be stronger after this um that's what I might say yeah
1: yeah exactly and and you know in some ways, not a bad time to do it, right? There's never a good time to migrate a huge amount of data and payroll and very sort of risky information. But if it requires the time to get through it, and you know I'm sure some companies, especially in the hospitality side, have gone and won't come back, and that's you know tragic and, and really, really sad, but those that have managed to brave and weather the storm will be better off in the long run, you know
0: yeah absolutely absolutely let's let's move to a slightly more fun subject one that i <laughs> i'm keen to chat to you about because um, just just i was on the outside because obviously at broadbean i was in tech right so i saw yep. some of the sales activity uh, so we shared some beers etc but what was your relationship like when if you can think back to when you were in sales what was it like for yep. marketing what did you view marketing as because right now you're working closely with marketers so i'm interested to know whether your perception has changed now you're not on the sales side so now you're a business owner yeah. working with them. What was it? If you think back, what did you think of marketing when you were in sales, VP for all being?
1: So, so I think it's, it's a really good point. And I think, you know, at the early days, it was Ricky Wheeler, right? Who's been in and around the industry with Cube and Ebster and all the rest of it. And, you know, really impressed with the stuff that Ricky used to do. So we had quite a good relationship there. And Broadbean had some really strong marketing, but it was, even then it was more about the brand. Do you know what I mean? It was more about getting the word out of who Broadbean were versus like a more direct, here's some leads. And it worked for sure, in terms of like, it helped our reputation, it helped us get leads. It was one of those multiple touch points, but it was probably less trackable. It was advertisements and magazines, networking events, you know, sending Dan McGuire out to, to places to speak and stuff. And, and, it, and, and, you know, a really, really sort of cool company brand. Um, but I think, you know, that, that, that I remember feeling was sort of pretty pretty well embraced at a marketing level. When, we, when I came across to the US, that was, that was the first time that, it was really starting to shift to more into that, like true sort of online, you know, it was before even LinkedIn was becoming super popular. Um, and, you know, before we got acquired by Builder, it, it really was pretty sort of independent. I don't think sales and marketing were working as one unit, not just in Broadbeam, but sort of across the board um, in, in you know for for that time they seemed to sort of work a little bit independently so we were still doing a lot of cold calling and research and banging out phone calls and there weren't really you know many email shots going out or if there were there were a few there was a lot of conferences that we used to work but it still felt like marketing was more sort of like write some blogs look after the website organize the christmas party you know make sure that the that the um sort of exhibitions and, and conferences, which we, we did an amazing job of, um were the focus. And we did well at all of those things. But, uh, you know, now I see it since I left Broadbean and I spent a couple of years at CareerBorder, then i spent, you know, a few years sort of consulting and contracting and doing some different things with companies like Ebster and other ballhorn marketplace partners. Like, now you really see it as, okay, this is, sales and marketing is essentially one unit, right? Your message is consistent. And the marketing messages become less formal as well. Like, if you think about the way that a sales rep would talk to people on the phone, right, telling stories and understanding the customer and talking about their, customer, their problem and talking about the solution, like, that the way that marketing has gone and if you look at so many of the posts on social if you look at landing pages if you look at blog content it's all very very speak to the user and it's all very informal and that uh, that I think is very sort of sales led um, so there's been a, been a huge shift with it now and now you know SEO and digital is a big focus but you know for me it, it, it's all about those multiple touch points and I think that's a bit that the staffing market really needs to get is they're sort of very good at going like where did the candidate come from? Was it referral? Was it Indeed? Was it LinkedIn? Was it here? Was it there and on the client lead side? People still work on the idea that like, Oh, is it networking? Is it SEO? Is it any of these things? It's, it, it's not even just that it's a group of different sources. It's that it's all of them affect leads converting. You know, there's people that we get through the website and they go, Oh, I saw you a number one for staffing websites and staffing website design. And that's, That's awesome, but I also saw some of your content a year ago. I saw you speak at a conference. You know, someone mentioned you on a podcast. So it's not even that it's podcast and conferences and email marketing and pay per click and SEO and all these other things. It's that like actually it's two or three touch points within all of them that help convert. And that's that I think is the gap that the industry needs to realize. Particularly on the client side, is okay, great, you do loads of cold calling. All those people are still going to your website from your cold emails and your cold calling to check out who you are at some yeah. point. All those people are looking at your LinkedIn or, you know, anyone who sees you speak at a conference when they want to get hold of you. How do they go and find you? they go and find your digital footprint. So, you know, there's no point being elite at one and then useless at the other because all you're doing is just killing your conversion, you know?
0: Yeah. But also, also what you just mentioned there, people mentioned to you that they heard you on a podcast, they read your blog unless you're recording that in your CRM, that's the sort of thing you're never gonna be able to report on in a spreadsheet. If you look at ROI over three, six, nine, 12 months, your spreadsheet's never gonna tell you those things. So it's interesting you mentioned that as a source of sales for you, and I imagine that means you're investing in those spaces for staff the future.
1: Yeah, but I just, I mean, we we've talked about doing a podcast i was going to call it another ducking staffing podcast but then we just decided not to just to, <laughs> i didn't want to swear so i thought we'd do some duck related humor each week but but everyone's oh, got you a podcast no quackers to do that
0: mate
1: <laughs> everyone's got a podcast i'm like do we really need another staffing podcast but i like being on them and i think that's been been really good fun um plus it means I have to do the work and be really consistent with it every week which um which is even better so um but yeah the We invest a lot in SEO. We do a bit of email marketing. We do a lot of partner marketing. Partners have been huge for us. Um, And then, honestly, the biggest a big part of our marketing. It's funny to say when we're small, but is like the internal groundswell approach of our brand. It's something I learned from Broadbean. You know, like people feel like they belong in the organization. They care about what they do. They care about the reputation. Therefore, they care about the client. Therefore, the clients like them. Therefore, the clients are happy and treat them well. Therefore, they enjoy their job and you get this whole sort of positive momentum groundswell of everyone buying into the brand. And that leads to partner referrals, client referrals, staff retention. you know, a happy, enjoyable workplace. Whereas if it goes in the other direction, right? And the wheels start coming off because everyone's always trying to, you know, penny pinch and underpay people and shout people. And, you know, it's all just about signing deals and not actually about retaining your existing customers. Um, It sort of goes in the other direction, right? You don't build trust with partners, you don't build trust with clients, people say negative things about you, everyone's exhausted working there, staff always leave, and it just sort of goes all in the other direction. And, and I've sort of seen both within organizations. Um, and, um, and and yeah, I think, I think focusing on that internal sort of brand and, and what you want your company to be will, will translate quite well into into marketing efforts and what people
0: say about you across the board. I completely echo that. I mean, I always say no matter what we do, AdWords, pay-per-click, what the best form of marketing will always be word of mouth. So everything mm-hmm. you do, should make sure that's the case. Um, it's, it's interesting, do, do you mind if we dig into the bit between career builder and Staffing Future? Do you mind if I go down that route or is that? No, let's go down that Because <laughs> Let's do it. <laughs> I think, I, I often get told this, people say to me, oh, you know, our page is really successful. And that, we're so early in our journey that, you know, most businesses fail in the first five years. So I'm not saying we're successful yet. You give me give me, another few years, then I'll, I'll celebrate, right? Now, staff in future, yes. outside looking in, successful, right? I'm sure you'll probably feel the same way, where you don't feel it is quite what you want it to be just yet. Is that fair?
1: That's totally true. And like, that's what I was kind of getting at, where I'm saying, like, it's, I wouldn't say it's easy, but it's certainly that 300% growth we had last year, right? You look at compounding growth. That's a lot harder to keep up, right? Taking a business that's at 10 million to 30 million or, or yeah. bigger than that, right? 40 million, whatever it is, is um is I would assume, having not, never done that, even though I've, I've seen organizations do it and I've worked for organizations that more or less do that, you know, a lot harder than taking a company that is, doing half a million to sort of 1.5 or, or something like that. So, um, you know, it, 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 it's an interesting point to sort of look at all of that. In terms of um, answering the actual question, which is, you know, the, the, the gap between career builder and I guess really the hard slog. Yeah, exactly that. I mean, you know, I was sort of came out of Broadbean and had a lot of success there. I don't mean that in a cocky way. It was just sort of like, no, no, you know. And for anyone correct. listening,
0: he, Jack was very successful at Broadbean and you know he's not being cocky he, he did help grow that business so <laughs> it's on record i'm agreeing with you <laughs>
1: yeah but you start to sort of believe your own nonsense right so i was just like I, i'd always thought that i would go and launch my own business and i was like okay cool i came up with an idea for a, a mobile application game you know and managed to raise the money for it and we managed to get it built and we managed to get like seventy thousand installs and and it failed essentially um and you know you learn a lot of lessons from that the biggest one being you know why on earth with a vp of sales with a really good track record of business to business sales launching a mobile application game that's free to install and you never speak to a customer. <laughs> I didn't it didn't have any of my skill sets whatsoever that I could really apply to it, other than raising a bit of money and and sort of having a dream. But um, so I did that for sort of a year. But I mean, it it you know, it once again, it wasn't really meaning into what I was doing. And then I did some sort of consulting some sort of outsource sales where you know um hired a couple of people and we had sales team trying to bring some stuff into the us and work very closely with ebster and some other organizations did a little bit of consulting with you know people like tent buddy and track rms and 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 Hearfish and did some work with 3diq and sort of all ballhorn marketplace partners but from track which is obviously a great APS that competes with ballhorn um but just sort of sitting in and around that digital space for a long time And that was really um, where I then went and did the complete opposite of what I did with the mobile app, which was, you know, I'd I'd taken the property that I bought when I was 19 um, sold it you know lost a lot of money managed to go and have less assets when i was 30 than, than when i was 19 earning substantially less money and it got to the point where it was either okay you've, you've utterly failed for sort of two and a half years uh you've basically had two sort of two business fails although the second one really pivoted into what is starting future and you know do you want to go and get a job or do you want to push on through and, and you know that's where i was like okay, i'll push on through and, uh, and and this time I'll do it differently, right? I'm just going to dive into something I know, which is staffing technology. And I'm going to just learn. I'm not going to come up with a, a a business idea right off the bat. I'm going to go and consult and I'm going to lean into staffing tech. And that's why I started selling my time consulting, not for one organization doing super detailed project-driven stuff, because I knew that that was within was my skill set, but it wasn't really... Well, I wouldn't learn as much, and it wasn't the best part of my skill set. And instead, I tried to help a lot of staffing organizations with two, three hours a month. And I managed to sort of build that up into what would have been a very good lifestyle business. But it, it enabled me to like talk to every single staffing provider you know, in the industry, every, every different type, from retained high-end search right the way down to... Um, you know, people that are doing super transactional day laborers and everything in between. And it allowed me to speak to every ATS and look at every single different provider to the industry. And that really was the springboard for Start the Future. And I think the aha moment was when we just sort of realized, or I sort of realized with Bruce, because I was doing bit work with my business partner, Bruce on that front, that the starting tech was, was evolving, but the, the, the biggest, most exciting part of it was the marketing and the sourcing tech. And that really all roads led back to the website, right, as your, as your front end of your digital footprint. And that most of the websites were just digital marketing companies, right? They were, they were look, spin your WordPress templated website up and it doesn't really talk to anything and we'll we'll focus on your SEO and we'll focus on your content and we'll focus on very, very relevant, important things. But we're not looking at the technology side. We're not looking at the vast majority of people that come to your website and leave. And that's where we started to sort of, you know, evolve this idea of of staffing websites that integrated with technology, staffing websites, had technology built into them and the top of the funnel and conversion. And really now it's sort of got to the point where it's, we're trying to take a lot of the, cutting edge concepts in you know something like e-commerce in 2021 where you know you, you you find a pair of shoes on instagram you glance at those shoes and then suddenly those shoes follow you around the world wherever you go and there's emails in your inbox with discount codes and don't forget to check out and all this engagement and this brand awareness and this conversion uh, we're trying to sort of bring that concept to to staffing right the idea of not just driving clients and candidates to your site But then if they don't want that immediate job that you have right then or they don't want to talk to you right now, that we still get them into a marketing workflow to bring them back when the timing's right and get away from right place, right time, uh, immediate sales, like we were talking about earlier, into brand awareness, engagement retargeting, remarketing, people coming back and therefore people being much more likely to convert and stick around. So, um, you know, that's really sort of the, the journey on that piece. But um not talking here, I know, but yeah, as you say, the last two, three years have just been explosive growth, but you still don't feel stable, right? You're still like, uh, <laughs> yeah, you're not there yet. It's, yeah, it's you know? so funny,
0: <laughs> if, if COVID taught us anything, because I remember being in March, I think we exchanged some WhatsApps, so was like, are you scared shitless? Yep, yeah, yeah, me too. We're all good. Yeah. <laughs> So I just want to put out there because I don't I don't think staffing future would be the success it is now had you not had your failures. Is that is that fair?
1: Totally, totally, yeah, and I think you know it's. I mean, there's that. It's just so cliché in business, isn't it? There's that iceberg picture and stuff with the underneath the water and the top of the water and all that stuff. But yeah, I mean, it's just true, right? It, it's kind of you, you've got to go out and you've got to fail, and some people don't, right? Some people like yourself, you you have grafted I'm sure it's incredibly hard, but you you have you have had the skill set and 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 the rest of it to really have your first venture become a success. But you know, they normally I, I say one. Not intro- the
0: people around me, though. I, I just want to put that there, like the reason. I, I believe well, I had a bit of a spring ball because I had Kelly around me, et cetera. So, you know, I think, I think anyone listening, if you, if you haven't gone through the life experience of that, you need somebody that has. Mm-hmm. I, I, I genuinely believe that, you know, without those people on your, on your shoulder, telling you the right thing at the right time from time to time, you, uh, you could really fuck things up for be honest
1: yeah so, and, and i had all those people and still managed to fuck them up I and mean, i think probably the lesson <laughs> from me was t- but do you know what i mean like i mean, probably the lesson from me was like rein in the ambition a little bit and maybe stick to something that you know because you went into starting technology after 15 years of starting technology and i essentially you know could have just gone and started a pizza company or an aerospace type. I, mean, I, I mean what staffing technology got to do with mobile application games so you
0: know <laughs> You know, if, you, yeah, if, you, maybe if you build too. up your network, all your connections on LinkedIn, they're valuable assets, right? They are valuable assets, and um, I guess that's, that brings us on nicely to my last my last question for you. Actually, um, you've, you spoke a lot about about marketing and SEO, etc. How are you guys utilizing LinkedIn at Staffing Future?
1: So. Um, Everyone will hate me for saying this because, you know, it, it, but this was before it was Spam City. But in the early days, I used LinkedIn Automation before LinkedIn Automation was popular. And then it, LinkedIn Automation became something that everyone hates, including including me. Um, and I used it as a way of doing super targeted campaigns to um, book war meetings. And I did that because it was just me. And I, I didn't have enough time to go and bang out cold calls, bang out cold emails, and also try and sell and also service the customer. So in the early days of Start the Future, sort of four years ago, um, I used a lot of that to book my new business meetings. And there's so many customers now that we have that started from a piece of LinkedIn automation. Now, of course, uh, LinkedIn's flooded with nonsense. I get spammed all day, every day. We haven't used any kind of LinkedIn automation for years uh, because it doesn't work. And because um, and by automation, I mean message automation, not you know posts or, or any other great stuff that you guys do. But I mean the stuff that LinkedIn doesn't allow, essentially, you know, yeah. call it call it call really borderline exactly. spam. Connect, connect yeah, someone, wait, wait an hour, I'll
0: send them this message. If they don't respond, send, send them a message. This message. Yeah, we, yeah. We've all got
1: to, them. Be, <laughs> to be clear, I was I was doing that in a much more sophisticated way. Like I was hitting up a hundred people that were relevant with a relevant message, um, not you know, and not message them an hour after connecting. But but now we really use it for social selling. So. You know, we've done a lot of videos and put some content on there, and we've seen some real good results uh, from that. You know, we probably need to do more of it. I think a lot of people with COVID have have doubled doubled down on that and seen a lot of success from it. Um, we've been sort of, you know, we had a lot of growth last year anyway, and we've been sort of figuring out our process. And a big part of our plan for this year is to really get back into that sort of social selling mantra. And the funny thing is, is that the LinkedIn automation well i would never use it to message anyone anymore and to be honest probably wouldn't even message people on that platform too much because um if if someone messages me on that platform they're less likely to get hold of me because i get so much spam but the cool thing is is that comments super relevant you know social posts videos and um you know we just we're we're really trying to double down on that year because of course all that automation and being in the industry 15 years means i have like fifteen thousand, twenty thousand 20,000 connections of starting and recruitment company owners um so you know that's that's really where we see the success of it and then uh, just to add on to that down real quick um from the client's point of view uh, you know, we see a lot of a lot of success with people pushing blogs, candidate profiles and jobs and reviews out um, through your system. So, you know, just to give you guys a shout out, it's probably, you know, we're independent in terms of we don't take partner revenue or anything from anyone. But the... Um, the number, uh, probably the number one tool that we recommend is page it plays so nicely with what we do. And we see when we go for our client analytics on the websites, we see a huge amount of conversion on the candidate side um, and a lot on the client side as well. And it, and it all comes from uh, mobilizing the individual's. Uh, LinkedIn profiles, because, you know, it's great to be like, we're a brand, but, you know, really it's, it's, it's Jack Copeland and Bruce Nando and Darren and Kelly and everyone else that you're with on LinkedIn and, and being able to utilize your team's profiles is, is and the value that. but that's been probably the number one um, source that we've seen um, uh, value from. There.
0: Well, thank you very much. And you, you didn't have to say that. I will, uh, like you say, you don't take vibes. <laughs> you <a> <laughs> <if I'm in laughs> the while you were being in some California. Hopefully it won't be too long. We shall see, Jack. Thank you so much for joining me. Oh, we'll be. 20, no, no. Next year, I'm going to be out in California. Next year, I, I, I pray, I hope. Um, thank you so much for your time. How can people connect with you if they want to?
1: So LinkedIn, um, obviously, Jack at staffandfuture.com. No S on the end is uh, super easy to remember. Or just go to Um So you know, easy enough to to find us. We're we're all over the place.
0: Amazing. In a good way. Thank you so much. I will speak to you soon thanks mate cheers, cheers. bye bye